like if you want something you have to kind of get it yourself for example like in our meetings like when we used to be together I would always talk about wanting to be on a podcast and that's happened so yeah sister taught me that you always have to try it out Hello, you've reached Hotline Design Podcast. How may we help you? And welcome back to Hotline Design Podcast. In this week's episode, we've come together with the phenomenal Rachita and Rebecca from Sisterhood, whose mission is to bring design education to the 21st century by using creativity as a vehicle for social change to positively impact girls and their futures. Rachida and Rebecca, we're so thrilled to have you both here on the podcast, and we love asking our guests this question. You wear so many different and fabulous hats, like Ascot is jealous. So we just want to know, how would you describe what you do? We are social impact designers, but we are entrepreneurs through the work that we do at Sisterhood and carry forward design principles and design values like into the everyday we're really like growing into and taking up space in social impact design um, and the world of entrepreneurship yeah I'd say we definitely definitely wear lots of hats but I guess the running thread is always like design whether we are designing the strategy of our business whether we're actually doing the role of as designers or whether we're designing a program and how to facilitate. There's always that running thread, no matter what hat we're wearing. That's amazing. Thank you so much for giving us the lowdown on what you do. Today, we're really excited to talk about Sisterhood and the initiatives you're running. Would you be able to describe as well in your own words a little bit more about Sisterhood? Yes, absolutely. So Sisterhood started when Rebecca and myself were at university studying graphic design or visual communication at Central St. Martins. And that's where the seed and the idea of Sisterhood started, where we were starting our own journeys as designers in the creative industry. And we really saw a drop off of women. And we came from a cohort of women that was like 70% female. And to see that ratio almost flipped was just like, what's going on? And as you go higher and higher up into the positions, those numbers dwindled even more. And for us, that was like quite a reality check and also quite shocking as to why is this happening and where is this gap? Why is this gap there? So we spoke to a lot of people, did a lot of research, and we found that people always refer to their formative years in school things like confidence, opportunities, being able to have the opportunity to flex muscles other than those of like that academic learning provides. So we decided that this is where in order to break this cycle, we have to go to the root. And it was exciting for us because it was a challenge. It wasn't an area that either of us had worked in before. So going back to school, starting again from school and that very formative years was exactly what we wanted to do. And that's where Sisterhood really formed, where we work with young girls and gender expanding youth. They're usually secondary school age, so 13 to 17, 13 to 18. And they come on our Sisterhood school programs where they create a social impact project um, addressing issues that tackle everything from body image, public safety, to our most current cohort are working on a project all on period poverty and access to sanitary care. So there's a real uh, breadth of issues that, you know, girls care about and affect their everyday. And we always say that sisterhood is where girls design their place in the world. And that's exactly what they do. A fun fact that has like carried through into the whole of of sisterhood is actually when Rachita and I met at uni we were in the same tutor group so every two weeks we'd work on different creative briefs that we would sign up to and we were placed with a tutor who we didn't really realize at the time but she specialized in socially conscious design social impact design which is was quite emerging at the time so this was sort of 2014 we really hadn't kind of heard of it and our tutor was putting on quite a few briefs that just really resonated with us, like really creating change, redesigning hospital wards for older adults. And so I met Rachita at university 
And she got up and spoke about the design of the American ballot card and how it's, it was poorly designed and actually cost an election. I think there was a case study in a social impact um, book that she had. And I just sat there and I was like, I'm obsessed with you. I just had that <laughs> moment where I was like, this is exactly the type of thing. These are the things that I think about. Like, these are the things that like really get me excited about using design and that that skill of problem solving and looking for solutions and using design and creativity to build upon existing systems and make things better not always kind of making new things all the time and like making things as functional as they are beautiful and like I just saw that in Rachita from the moment she spoke about her work and that shared value and those shared values and like the seeing the potential of design and using it for social good is what connected us and what made working on this collaborative project just so seamless and actually really enjoyable during such a stressful year. So we were in third year. Uh, we then became flatmates. So Sisterhood was like a kitchen table idea. We lived and breathed it. Our poor other flatmate, I look back now and I think, oh my crikey, <laughs> we just took over the kitchen with like all of our Sisterhood stuff. Completely. Like, oh my goodness. There's photos, there's actually photographic evidence of me on the kitchen floor and like we'll have to show you paper everywhere. So yeah, the beginnings of sisterhood was just that sort of shared value of the magic of design, having so many transferable skills, having so much power to bring communities together and actually putting the people that you're designing for at the heart of the process. And that mm. is kind of where sisterhood started. And it's just still going like the really early stages and really core foundations of sisterhood that happened and started being created in 2014. And all those years ago around those kitchen tables still are very true today. And something we're really passionate about, something that's super close to our hearts is that we both studied creative subjects for a really long time. So I was very lucky to go to a junior school that really nurtured the arts and creative subjects and then studied it at college and then university. It wasn't until I got to university did I even get a whiff of socially conscious design and how much it unlocked my personal confidence. I know, Rachita, we speak about this a lot, like how it what it did for you and your confidence and and your ability to go no I'm staying in this industry I'm not going to drop off I'm not going to be part of this statistic and we were like how is it fair that we're only just studying this and have the privilege to go to higher education to study this kind of type of design we need this needs to happen sooner because the skills are just so transferable to so many other subjects even if you don't go into the creative industry so that's exactly what we did so sisterhood is essentially a course of learning how to problem solve to some of the world's most entrenched issues putting girls at the heart of, of the problem solving process and the creative process to address issues that directly impact them and their futures and they go on to create incredible projects that don't just support them but support future generations and plant seeds that they may never see bloom essentially. You've spoken a little bit about how learning about social design has kind of unlocked your confidence. And when you talk about the fact that you started at your kitchen table and now you have this amazing initiative, this amazing creative studio, so many projects under your belt and everything else. I wonder if you can talk a little bit more or have any tips into how you tapped into that confidence to take something that was just a kitchen table project idea thought and transform it into what it is today because I think particularly in creative fields we don't often have the confidence the skills to kind of make something entrepreneurial and I would love to hear more about that journey and if you have any tips for people that might have a brilliant social idea but are stuck into how to make it real yeah I mean it is such a personal journey I mean anything that we say is sort of like take it and you'll probably find your own it's kind of like a north star or a guiding star I suppose of like you are so obsessed with the thing that you've created you just will work and work until it happens like you don't know how it might happen but you just wholeheartedly believe that the world needs this service or product or idea and I think there's multiple there's so many layers you need to have layers because it takes really thick skin to get through the everyday there are days where it's really tough and you're thinking how are we going to get from A to B or A to C like this is really really tricky so there has to be layers of foundations that you have to support you and go back on 
I think one thing that's so true to me is that that passion gives me the confidence because honestly, if I wasn't passionate about it, my voice would be all wobbly right now. I would be really struggling to speak. I used to, I talk about these kids' parties all the time, these poor kids' parties. I used to work in kids' parties and nothing would come out my mouth. I was so nervous. I just, but my heart was not in it. It was a job and it was something that I did and everyone was like, do it, it will bring your confidence out. And I was thinking, okay, and nothing, nothing would come out. And with sisterhood, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but if we have an opportunity, even moments like today, like speaking on a podcast, it's something that just feels so important to do and the fear I can just feel the fear going into the background it's there it never goes anywhere but it dissolves a little bit because I'm thinking about all of the things I want to say and talk about and share with people and you know that connection me and Rachita have like we I mean I think Rachita may talk about a little bit more about the co-founder relationship but you also are there for each other you're supporting each other you have each other's backs and yeah, I think that's one layer for me is when in something kind of bothers you a lot, like you're probably meant to do something about it. We use that quote, I think it's by Teresa Arthur. If something bothers you, it's probably because you're meant to fix it. And so I really stay true to that. I feel like that's my North Star. Yeah. In terms of what Bex was saying, it's that it's conviction gives you confidence, like conviction in mm. your idea and a set of values in how you want to see the world. I loved the follow-up question, by the way, and in particular, um, the part where you were saying that, you know, creatives may not necessarily be equipped to be entrepreneurs. And I'd actually disagree. And the reason, because, is if I look back at, let's say, the creative process and briefs that we did at university, right? So the this is mainly like the education of creative and going into a creative industry. We were doing two-week projects so in a term we would be doing like four projects and they would be happening every two weeks so every two weeks you would have to start from scratch you would have to identify a problem you would then have to figure out how you get from that problem to a solution that's what a designer does that's what an entrepreneur does like those are the same set of skills that completely translate so I actually think designers make really good entrepreneurs because they have that (laughs) skill of being critical of critical thinking being able to find patterns and observation like those are skills that you pick up as a designer which I know that both Rebecca and I have really put into how we've approached building a business because we literally approached building a business like it's a design project like that is what we've done and it's only through kind of embracing the whole entrepreneurial side that we started being part of networks and also incubator programs where we kind of started connecting the dots of like oh people in business or who are starting a business do this but we also do a version of this in design so connecting those dots so yeah I would actually say designers make quite good entrepreneurs (laughs) I mean you're proof of that (laughs) I completely agree with what you're saying there Achita and actually I think you were saying about the certain skills, we talk about the iteration process, so like prototyping and constantly iterating. And that growth mindset is exactly what you need when building a business. No design project is ever finite. It's never done. It's a moment in time where you may put it out into the world. And if you have done the the research it's required and the testing that it's required, but it will still, there will be five years time, 10 years time, there might be something timeless about it, but there will be always something to improve. And that's essentially how we have approached with sisterhood is our girl led approach. They are teaching us. We are so on this journey with them, that growth mindset of going, okay, where are you taking us next in this journey? And what do we need to build for you to support you and your projects and your programs? Mm. It's so interesting how, you know, we have done that probably so consciously but it's so in the subconscious because that is just how we've worked all throughout our lives on these kind of rapid design processes that it's built up and we're flexing this muscle that we've got Mm -hmm. of like okay design create problem solve iterate try again and that has really held true to like building a business and that mindset to just keep going and keep pivoting and keep iterating I see you soon taking notes constantly. There are so many incredible insights that you both have shared. And, you know, I'm just kind of writing things down as we talk. I'm just constantly like thinking of these new questions we could potentially explore. 
And I know we do have a follow-up question later on all about what design means to you, and I know you've touched on some of that already, but I'd also just like to maybe take a step back and ask you about where you were when you first started out. So when you were both, you know, sitting at that kitchen table, thinking of what programs you could potentially run, what did the first iteration of Sisterhood look like? What sorts of programs did you run? And how did you start reaching out to a few of your target audience? Yeah, I guess in terms of the very first version, and you know, this is where we were like so naive. We were just like, we're just going to do these workshops and schools will surely let us in and it's all going to be free because we want the girls to be able to do it and we're somehow going to make money by doing free programs. That makes total sense. <laughs> and then we actually went, you know, went through an incubator process and we're like, oh, oh, we actually need to figure out how this is going to work. Um, and that really helped us work on what that minimum viable program essentially would be. And if I look at our first ever pitch deck where we had, you know, what our programs would be, I'd say those kind of were the basis of what we do now. So we were really... We knew that we wanted it to be design based and that the girls do design projects. That was always like the case. That's something that's not changed at all. And we knew it needed to be like socially, socially driven, like, for example, girls addressing challenges that they may face or they care about. And that was pretty much the first iteration of like, we know the design process. We know that we want girls to be able to address gender based issues. So let's create a version of a program. And for us, it was very much realizing that, you know, we want, and I think this was where it's also been our USP that we wanted to make sure from the get go, we weren't doing like a one day workshop or a, like a four day half term camp or, you know, a design camp or something like that. Actually design, good design takes time and it takes time to actually understand and research and what Rebecca was saying, that prototype phase, it takes time to create something that's good. And the other thing we knew is that we, whatever outcomes the girls created, it had to have legs, like it had to stand its ground for it to be as good as it coming out of any sort of design studio or any sort of consultancy. The fact that girls are capable, young people are capable of creating things to that level, like it had to have that. At the end of the day, we're visual people. So, you know, we weren't ever going to let the girls put out something that was like, copied and pasted on word document and a poster made out of that so those were kind of the fundamentals of what our first program or designing a first program looked like and we were kind of laughed at at the beginning like you're going to do 15 week to year long programs no one is gonna you know I had family members being like that's just not gonna work I had teachers in the family that were like that's just not gonna work and I was like okay but we're gonna do it anyway because we're so stubborn because we it's that whole thing of like creating something you really wish existed when you were younger that ongoing long-term support where you can see something through and it doesn't just kind of like get you excited and then leave you high and dry it's kind of like oh no we can keep going back and I can keep improving and we can make this a really massive project and sell our book in a bookstore and create a big campaign or like you know whatever it is we don't do things by the halves at sisterhood it's amazing they're like oh you actually did the bookshop as well as created the book and you know we want to change the entire system we want to make sure that the girls see from a post-it note to the product that you can do it with the tools and resources you have and when people invest in girls and ideas amazing things happen so our minimum viable product like we were so stubborn with it because we were like it has to be long term change is so slow we learned that so early on with you know creating long lasting positive change it takes time so we are in this for the long run of changing and shaping education and that's just something that we have to accept and always continuously innovate on how we can ensure that more schools have access to this program so the minute the early stages was just looking for those early adopters um, we literally went to a creative mornings and we went on their community minutes at the end where you can literally get up and just sort of ask for stuff or just tell people a story, whatever it might be. And we were shaking. Well, I was shaking. We had our mics and we were like, we are sisterhood and we have this program and we really think you need it. And I just remember in my head thinking, oh my goodness, like this is, ha this is the start. This is actually the start of us going, here's a program 
Um, we'd just been on our, we were bright eyed, bushy tailed after our incubator and someone came up to us and they ended up being our first programme. So it was with Hackney Laces, a football team, and they did an hour on the pitch and an hour off the pitch where they learnt life skills and different kind of skills that would help them for the future. And we ended up becoming one of their partners for that. So Richita and I would do our day jobs at charities, get on the bus to Hackney in the evenings. And that was the first ever pilot. So we only got one hour and that was one hour, seven till eight every Thursday. And yeah, that was the MVP. And we thought, wow, if these girls can create a documentary encouraging more girls to play football in one hour for 15 weeks, like where can we take this with more time and just more resources? So yeah, I think that was the MVP. Was It was always the school programme we started with. That has always been the heartbeat. Sisterhood Studio came much later, but was very much happening behind the scenes in order to fund mm. and sustain Richita and I as owners of the business. And so when we took that leap into creating Sisterhood Studio, we'd already done all the legal stuff, knowing we would grow into that, those pair of trousers, but we just hadn't quite realised the potential of Sisterhood Studio funding sisterhood school until we thought actually we can give girls free programs we can it's just a case of making sure that we have a design studio that is creating incredible work with girls and young people at the heart of it and as long as we have clients coming through this, the doors at sisterhood studio we can start to build a pipeline of programs that are supported by studio we're still so much in its infancy at the moment but the potential of it is there so um yeah that was the minimum viable product really uh, all those years ago good times with our <laughs> business model canvas Rachita. <laughs> i know oh god <laughs> is it framed somewhere don't remind me the thing is right we've created a version of it where it, we use it for girls projects so it's no longer minimum viable product for us it's minimum viable project so yeah, we, we were just like, hey, this is useful. Let's make them do it as well. <laughs> it's just amazing to hear about these programs and school that you offer. These girls and people participating must leave very close knit and really kind of trusting in each other. Yeah, it's really interesting because if all of us here and those who will be listening cast our mind back to when we were teenagers and when we were either opted in or were like told by our teachers to do something which we weren't not really sure about there's so much like trepidation about it right so often what happens is their real bonding moment is actually when they launch their project which is the last day or last week of the program because up until then they are going through this massive learning curve of figuring out a different way of working and being together that is not taught in school it's a very different environment when they step into sisterhood so because they're going through that process if you would come into one singular session, you wouldn't be able to tell it off the bat that, you know, they're all like, yeah, we're just so great to be here together. And it's all like fluffy and warm. Like it's not the case in terms of like, it's that visible. That visibility happens on the last day when they have launched it and they're like, we cannot believe we went through this process together. We cannot believe we've come out and we cannot believe we've actually launched our own project. Like it's always then that it happens. And recently we've been reaching out to our alumni and we're kind of working on this side project of like building our alumni community. And to see our first ever cohort, we were with at 2018, they're now at university, they're now starting university. And we asked for feedback on like, you know, how their sisterhood journey was and how they feel about it now. It's all that lovely, gushing, warm, like, I cannot believe this was so good for me. Like this helped with my confidence so much. So it takes that time. It takes that time for people to realise that oh, you know, this transformative experience that I went through has actually stuck with me beyond it. Yeah, I think people are always quite surprised when they sort of see our branding, like our sisterhood, and they expect it to be all like, go gang, like, you know, all of that. And <laughs> actually, it, it, it's like that in its own gorgeous way. Just seeing the girls, the other day we were working with them, and, you know, one, one girl was in a group, and her whole group wasn't there, but they're just poorly and all sorts of things. And I just saw another girl from another group, across the table go are you all right can I do anything to help you out and I was like that is sisterhood like that it's those moments mm. 
that mm. student had her own stuff going on. She had her own project and her own team to be working with. But she reached out across the table to her peer and was like, can I help you with anything? Completely unprovoked. We didn't ask any of them to do that. And that's by setting the space of just enabling them to be themselves. We do a lot of work in the first six weeks of them creating the space that they want to be in and they'll thrive in. They do guides to working with them. So we understand what a good day looks like for them, what a bad day looks like for them, what motivates them, what demotivates them. Like all things that Richita and I have learned along the way, we take to them because yes, they're 14, but they know how they feel. Like you can't deny how you feel or knowing when something's going well or, you know, we all have that kind of gut instinct. They do too. And they're just not asked enough, like how they feel or what drives them or what motivates them. So taking that time early on, enables us to know them well off the bat and kind of quickly and then they have access to all of their kind of guides to working so they get to know each other a little bit better as well and they're like oh gosh that person was a bit quiet today I mean it takes time like they might not check their emails or they might not do it but it's always there if they want it so yeah I agree with Rashita to a degree it kind of it's there it's simmering and then it just kind of locks in at the end of the launch but I have to say we Mm -hmm. had we have had some incredible friendships and just like that's the lovely thing about our programs is we Mm -hmm. work so closely with teachers who identify students who typically might have quite low social mobility or are really looking for new friends and to make more bonds within the school like they've particularly stuck with their group and they're looking to make new friends because that's the beautiful thing about schools you have this access to this network which you don't see at the time as being your network because you're 14 or like and you're at school but I think we have seen some incredible friendships come and one of our most recent projects they did a documentary together and it actually ended up just being all about their friendship and the bond that they had created through the program mm. and their love for writing and they were very philosophical they had thought very deeply and yeah I mean their friendship just came from being sat together in sisterhood and now they're super super close and if we can even just provide that for them we have done our job if they get to meet new people and meet people that they may typically not meet in their sphere of life then Mm. that's a huge success for us because meeting new people is really difficult and it's hard and it gets harder as you get older actually to meet new people so if you can kind of learn and flex that muscle as well to be like hey let's collaborate or let's have this chat or let's work on this project together then that's only going to help you in later life when you're looking for a co-founder or you're looking for somebody to hang out with or just do something with that's the really nice thing about sisters so yeah we're very lucky to be in the position we are to watch those friendships grow and also Mm. watch the tensions and let that happen and tension can be a good thing like to be challenged and to not always agree and to stand up for yourself and to stand up for others that's just as important as getting on is being able to disagree but stand each other and to move forward even if you don't quite see eye to eye, but you have to make a decision to move something forward, then that would be you challenging your own values and being like, okay, well, is this quite right for me? Am I in the right place? Because I completely respect that this project is going to happen and it's great, but it just might not be right for me. And so those sorts of realisations are just as important as all of the kind of really lovely, this is the best thing ever. I love my group. I love my project. I really live for those moments where things aren't going quite right as well, because not every process is going to be a pretty process. There are going to be challenges along the way, whether you don't quite spark with the project or you don't really understand what you want to bring to the table and that is something that we see girls trying to figure out is like them finding their role within the group and not in like a hierarchical way it's them finding like you know how they like to lead because confidence looks so different it's not the loudest in the room who's the most confident all the time like confidence can be being confident in making a clear decision and being like I think we should go with this one because of this Um, confidence can be confidently leading a group in a conversation that's about a very sensitive topic so what's really lovely about seeing these relationships is actually seeing these individuals like find their role and find that for themselves and it not being imposed on them it not being like oh you're really good at that you should really you should do it's it's them going I'm going to try all this stuff 
and just see what feels good. And anything that doesn't feel so good, maybe I need to make that a goal and I need to kind of flex that and grow into that space a little bit. And that's exactly what sisterhood's about. One day they'll be pulling a presentation deck together. The next they'll be leading the group discussion. The next they'll be doing loads of data collection, asking questions. And then the next they'll be launching to a live audience and performing and doing all sorts. I love that you've been stubborn about the time thing about like it, this is not going to be a two hour workshop and then we're going to leave because I think all this magical stuff that you say is happening would have been literally impossible if a few people would have met in a two hour group and it would probably be amazing but you forget we've probably been in two hour mm. sessions at school and even in adult life so many times and we're like that was amazing and then a week later, you're like, oh, I forgot about it. So yeah, I think that was amazing, the fact that you were stubborn about that. Because then the design gets better. When you have all of that before work, honestly, sometimes when they're creating the design, that's the quickest part. That part where they're like, right, we know we want the poster to have this, this and this. We're going to have a video campaign. Because they've done all that work for the last, if it was 15-week programme, they've done it for the last 13 weeks. And if it's a year-long programme, then you know production actually takes less time when you put in that deep work which is like the thinking and developing and iterating and trialing and testing it makes the outcome just so much richer so yeah we we have been very stubborn with that and we will continue to be very stubborn with that (laughs) (laughs) so one of our wrap-up questions was about design and how you approach design and what it means for you I do feel like you almost answered it in all of your answers because I feel like that transpired your view of design. One thing that we might not have the chance to learn from other guests, though, is kind of about your relationship as co-founders and as creatives in business together and that side of sisterhood. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I we can both jump in here. I feel like we are best when we're sort of bouncing off each other. Um, but I already sort of mentioned, like, I think I used the word obsessed. I mean, you got to be a little bit obsessed with your co-founder. Like, you basically live and breathe the same thing. And yeah, at one point we were spending so much time together. I think my phone put like a whole album together of just like together over the years. Like, that's like how much time we spend together. <laughs> But yeah, I guess the bond between the co-founders is such an interesting one. And something that I kind of wanted to kick off with was we came up with this phrase very early on and it's now just become just so ingrained in like everything that we do insisted. And the phrase is, it doesn't matter who's holding the pen as long as we're on the same page. So early on, we had this understanding that no matter what task you're doing, who is pressing send on the email, who's attending what meeting, who's, you know, leading on a talk. And the reason for this is because it's very unusual that co-founders get treated as equal people in the business with equal shares and equal opportunities to talk and to raise awareness about what you're doing. So having this mantra together about being on the same page and the page being the mission and the the long-term goals has just helped us so much come back to that and come back to the long-term goals when we've had the best of days when we've had the most challenging of days and I've been called Rachel numerous times no I'm joking but yeah I guess like that's been a really big I don't know it's just something that really it hits home every time I'm like this is for the mission that we are doing this for sisterhood to provide more equitable opportunities for all of our girls to make sure we have enough programs readily available and the big long-term ambitions. And we've touched upon the values and like how we share so many values together, which we've done like the inner work on and we're still doing the inner work on. And that really helps our bond go from strength to strength really. And um, yeah, Rachita, I mean, jump in whenever you, whenever you like. Yeah, it's such an intimate relationship if you think about it, there's no one else who will in the world who will understand and be on the exact same journey 
with the exact same experiences as your co-founder. And that in itself brings a real intimacy because that level of understanding is only with one other person. And I think with us, it's also the fact that we were friends first and founders second. And we saw how each other also worked and the way that we complemented each other in that way as well. So there were all these factors that really play into who we are and who we continue to be as co-founders. And that's one thing that we are really, really quite particular about in terms of like, whenever there are any opportunities, we really fight to have both of us there. If it's a podcast we're doing, a panel talk that we're doing, if it's any type of like fellowship that we're going for, we've had to literally like email fellowships to be like, no, it's going to be the two of us. It's going to be both of us. And if it's not, then we won't like, we won't do it. Or if it's really, really valuable, then we will be like, okay, one of our, you can put one of our faces on there, but the other person has to be able to attend the sessions because it's learning for us both, which is something that doesn't happen with co-founders. Like you'll only see one co-founder on a talk or a fellowship or an opportunity and we're just like why is that like you've both built this thing together and both people have you know it's great to have two different perspectives on the same thing that is happening that's that's only more valuable so even from like a super practical point of view it's you know it makes sense for both of those people who are building something to have that equal footing and i think from a very sentimental point of view as well I think that also the work that we do and the fact that like sisterhood, I think we learn very, very early on that if the sisterhood between us two is not okay, the sisterhood that we're building will also not be okay. We really have to learn that through like a big transition of leaving university, not really having any contacts in the industry and going seamlessly into jobs like neither of us did that of having to leave London to only then want to come back again so that we can work together and we can do sisterhood together yeah so through all of that it was the one thing that we kept coming back to and so that's something that really I think stays with us to this day that you know that if we're not good like this whole thing that we're doing we can't stand in front of the girls it will be so hypocritical of us to stand in front of the girls and be like building this bond and you know equipping them with the both practical but also like personal abilities to build bonds with their peers if we weren't doing that and we weren't doing the same thing so yeah we always need to make sure that we are we are doing what we're saying we're doing yeah i think we're both quite inspired by our like relationships with our sisters as well like something we talk about Mm. is the relationship with your sister is like one of such loyalty but there's always there's so much discourse and so much there's tension i learned my biggest life lessons with my sister i have an older sister and she taught me lessons before i even (laughs) learned them outside in the outside world and and i'm so grateful for that i wasn't at the time i was a total nightmare but she just taught me so much about honesty authenticity being yourself but also like learning when to reach an understanding as well and and compromise and I guess that kind of has echoed into the co-founder relationship that you know we all have light like we all have positive skills and positive traits and we have weaknesses and the beautiful thing about Lachita and I is like we're okay to be like I'm not great at this can you support me or like support for me looks like this because I am struggling with this like Rachita has supported me with my writing more than she will ever know like I'm very dyslexic (laughs) I really struggle with my writing and I really struggle with confidence in writing but she calls me a writer all the time and I think it's just in the everyday comments and like the everyday conversations that you're having that actually aren't really business related that you can really build that bond and that mutual respect for each other because you're both growing up and growing into who you are and who you want to be as we said we're not shying away from the fact that we've not done all the work and now we're ready and we are doing the work all the time both of us like read and invest in like learning more about ourselves and seeing Rachita do that and in return me doing that it just helps you kind of go okay like we're coming to every single day with our whole being like everything we're, we're trying to do and even if you can only give 80% today, like 
most of the time, Rachita's 80%, is everybody else's 100%. We have each other's backs. And I, it's in the simplest things of, of meetings or helping each other out when you're like in need or like you're trying to lost for words or kind of getting off track. Like you're in tune, you're kind of picking up on those signals. And that's because we've done the work to be like, this is what I do when I'm nervous or this is what I do when something's gone a bit wrong. And like, I'm not telling anybody, but I'm going to just keep going. And Rachita will be there like, I've got this, I've got you. And also when that doesn't happen as well, we come back to like, it doesn't matter who's holding the pen as long as we're on the same page. So as long as we have this return point, it will be okay. And knowing when to just take mm. a breather and take a breath and take a break. We really did that at Christmas, didn't we? We like properly took some time to just not talk about the business mm. and talk about each other and like just chat about life and chat about what's going on outside of the sphere of sisterhood too, because that's just as important because life doesn't happen outside a nine to five. It very much happens all hours of the day. As Richita said, it would be hypocritical <laughs> of us if we're like, we live and breathe, we, that's all we do. We, but no, we want the girls to see us in all sort mm. of technicolours of a good day, a bad day. And like Richita and I mm. kind of lead from the front and from the back. So like one of us might be talking and then one of us will be at the back supporting the person at the front talking so that if you've got people chatting or sort of like not concentrating, we're being like, listen up. We're not going to repeat this again. Like we, it's, <laughs> it's all about having each other's back all the time. And yeah, that, that duo dynamic and seeing leadership not just with one person, but seeing it from like the lens of two people or multiple people just gives you that breadth of difference and like just different perspectives and different approaches and different ways to approach big problems. And we let the girls see that. Me and Rachita will be like, well, I think I should, we should maybe do it this. Why don't we try this? We problem solve in the room like all mm. the time. And, you know, as long as it's done in like a respectful, managed way, that discourse is just as important as when we're all singing and all dancing and everything's hunky-dory. Yeah, it's a really special bond. And people ask us, like, how do you find a co-founder? Where should I be looking? And I think the advice, it's such a unique journey. We were so lucky to meet each other at uni, but coming back to those core values, like finding those people that respect your core values, they might have, you know, the same or there might be slight differences, but that will really help in those good moments when, you know, what, is a core value and it's been fulfilled that's what you celebrate and then maybe when a core value has been disrespected or it's not quite met your expectations you're both like you're there and you're like oh that was really mm. rough today like that was that was a tough meeting or that's really disappointing we didn't get that funding application like we really wanted it and we felt like we weren't heard in this way or that way or whatever it might be so I would say yeah if we get when we get asked that looking for those people that you just you click with or you're a little bit obsessed with. <laughs> the obsession is mutual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. I also feel like you two should get like matching tattoos with that that great quote about it doesn't matter who's holding the pen. It's all about being on the same page. Like, I just think we don't we don't have a tattoo, but we do have it's an ex libris. It's at the front of our book. <gasps> oh, that's brilliant. Wow. Oh. So um, obsessed with that quote. Yeah, these are our hands. You've got my my blingage, my rings. <laughs> yeah, so it says it round it. So we'll do something with that one day. And then if you look really closely, it's got the double diamond on our cuffs. Oh Ooh. my god, it's all in the yeah. details. It's all falling into place. <laughs> yeah. And like I think that's one of the beauties of also mm. opposite values really do attract. Like one of the great things is that. It's being honest with your co-founder. I am not overly detailed oriented person, but Rebecca is. So I love that we complement each other that way because it makes anything that we do become that all singing, all dancing project. Like it, it enables that. Like I can be the organizer and the framework. And I love that Rebecca comes in and does the detail and I don't have to do that. Like, I, you know, I can just be like, yes, run with it, do it, you know, make it like, give it that sparkle and let's go. So it's also knowing that and appreciating the things that the other person brings. That's so heartwarming. We are actually starting a co-founding sisterhood conscious thought. It's living on Instagram at the moment, but it's very much in the works. So I think it's something that we're just ready to do and ready to share with people because we've been on this journey for six years now 
and there's just so much that we not it's not the whole lot we wish we knew but we're kind of ready to be like okay we've got an understanding of this sort of element of the business or getting more confident of like we get the girls saying like if you don't ask you don't get well you know if we don't talk about what we do how are people going to know what we do so it's kind of getting more confident with being like okay we we really are trying to change the education space so we need to really establish that we're comfortable and confident talking about that otherwise people won't know they can come to us to talk about changing education and making design education a leading part of the curriculum so yeah it's just about practicing what we preach as well with the girls putting themselves out there that we're we're trying we're doing that more as well and so it's so nice to be able to talk about co-founders and kind of having that equal platform so you can see that duality of people and 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 difference and how difference really complements each other especially in business and especially when working with young people when they're really figuring out who they are and who they want to be we want them to see like us both doing that as well and working together as a group whilst they're working together as a group a year from now we'll probably be like a three-way co-founder just from this podcast we'll be so inspired (laughs) (laughs) i hope so that would be awesome so you're not you're not flatmates anymore then no i thought you were calling from different points in the house and (laughs) no we were good flatmates it was a good time and I broke my foot in third year around third year so she so Rachita was like carrying me up the stairs wheelchairing me around like honestly it was was just it was chaos that level of support women supporting women physically (laughs) emotionally mentally spiritually I love it everything everything (laughs) all of the above We have this week's Hotline Design Hotline caller calling into the studio. And this week we're shaking things up and doing things a little differently by asking our caller some questions. Hello, is this Zainab? Yeah, it's Zainab. Hi Zainab, it's lovely to have you here. We're so excited to have you here today. And before we get into our more meaty questions about sisterhood, we would love to hear a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Zainab. I've been doing my work placement at Sisterhood for our real world learning placement and I'm in year 10. Amazing, thank you so much. We do have some follow-up questions related to sisterhood. The first one that we would love to know is what aspect of the sisterhood program has made the greatest impact on you so far? An aspect of the sisterhood program that has made a good impact on me would probably have to be like the team that we form because me personally, I'm not close with a lot of the girls, but when we into the workspace, everyone seems to bond with each other and feel comfortable. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> they they kind of talk to us about exactly that. And it's it's just lovely to hear that from you as well. We're also wondering, how have you personally changed since attending Sisterhood School? So one of the ways that I changed is like my confidence. Before, I wouldn't really want to say something like an idea that I had because I wasn't sure if it was like a good idea. But now I know that if I have a good idea and if I have a reason behind it, there's always a way that I can come true, like come into a product. Oh, I love that. We're all nodding along here on the verge of crying. <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm looking forward to like create something because Sisterhood taught me like you have to basically, if you want something, you have to kind of get it yourself. For example, like in our meetings, like when we used to be together, I would always talk about wanting to be on a podcast, and that's happened. So your sister taught me that you always have to try it out, and you're going to get what you want. Trust us, we are more happy you're on the podcast than, than maybe you are. So yeah, thank you so much. Brilliant. I think this is our last question. Since we are a design podcast, we're also super curious how your understanding of design changed since you joined the Sisterhood program. I think, like, one thing that I learned is, for example, we're making, like, a product this, like, during this time, 
and you can't just make it go out. Like, you have to think of it, how you're going to get the materials and stuff. I never used to think of that before, but now sisters told me that you have to think of the little details and it will make your product way better. Absolutely. I think we as designers forget about those things sometimes, though. Um, that was a brilliant answer, Zainab. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much to Zainab for calling into the studio and sharing your experience as a student with Sisterhood. Rachida and Rebecca, it was so fantastic to have you on the podcast and hearing about your journey in starting and running your own school and studio focused on social impact design and empowering girls. We are beyond inspired on every single front. So before you go, do you have any pluggables slash where can people find you and sisterhood? Thank you so much. I'm going to let you know what we have coming up and Bex, if you want to take where they can find all of that. So we absolutely actually would love to take this opportunity to invite all three of you, but anyone who will be listening, we have a lot of really cool events and workshops that we are doing for the whole of the month of March which is as we all know Women's History Month particularly International Women's Day Um, and Bex will let you know where you can find all of that. Yes so to find out about events, panels, talks, workshops that we'll be hosting mainly in central London but actually more excitingly all across the UK, Europe, Middle East and Africa. More to come very soon but you'll be able to get that on our website at www.oursisterhood.co.uk and the same for all social handles it's at our sisterhood um, and you will be able to follow us and if you would like to join the journey of Rachita and I and everything that goes into co-founding sisterhood you can come and support us at Instagram as well by following at co-founding sisterhood and you will find more information about us and our the antics of co-founding two businesses simultaneously <laughs> Amazing. Thanks again to Rachida and Rebecca and of course, real life sisterhood student and hotline design hotline caller and future podcaster Zainab. As always, if you have a question for us, you can call into anchor.fm slash hotline design pod. You can find us at hotline design pod on Instagram and hotline design pod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.